Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hello and welcome to Better Living, a show about the people and organizations that make an impact in our area. I'm your host, Nick Carismi. The focus of today's show is an organization called New Friends, New Life. I have two representatives in the studio to talk about the important work that this organization is doing. Now, this is a new group to the show, but their chief development officer, Bianca Jackson, is a returning guest. It's good to see you again. Great to see you again as well. Thank you for joining me. All right, so I I looked it up. You were here on episode 27 with Genesis Women's Shelter. As I mentioned, you're here now with New Friends, New Life. This will probably end up being episode 122. Wow. So it's been a while (laughs) since I've seen you. It was great to get an email from you. I'm glad to see you back. Uh, You were suggested by Amy Jones with Mm -hmm. the Dallas Area Rape Crisis Center, but it wasn't really a recommendation. It was just a reminder. And Mm -hmm. uh, you're back in here with a new group. What does a chief development officer do before we get into New Friends, New Life? Sure. As chief development officer, it's really my responsibility to oversee all of the funding that comes into the organization, which is critical for nonprofits. I also oversee the communication, the messaging, any type of engagement that's happening in the community, uh, marketing and special events. So not much. Just no, I mean, my nice days are easy. so boring. Probably boring. Yeah. A lot of naps. Uh, you're essentially the face of this organization. How long have you been with New Friends New Life? I joined in August of 2018, so just under a year. Just under a yes. year. How has the year been? It has been wonderful to be um, a part of this organization at a time where the conversation is so heightened around the issue of sex trafficking. I agree. Yes, yes. So it's it's really been... Um, wonderful to be a part of that conversation and to shape some of the messaging and just to remind the community about who we are and what we're doing when everyone has their eyes on the issue. You've been in this sector for a long time. Mm -hmm. As I mentioned, you were with the Genesis Mm -hmm. for a long time, and now you made the switch. Why did you make the switch to New Friends, New Life? What, What brought you to the organization? Yes, I think one of the things that brought me to New Friends, New Life was the opportunity to help the organization go to the next level. Um, A lot of people don't know this, but we've actually been around for a long time, 20 years. 1998, I looked it up. Yes, yes. So New Friends New Life has been around for 20 years, um, but in many ways we are still reintroducing ourselves to the community. So as legislation got more involved and paid attention to it, as the, the legal community has paid attention to it, the faith community, it was just a very interesting opportunity to jump in while there's so much interest and kind of shape and educate and inform and inspire in this world. And interest Interestingly enough, it is so connected to all other issues that represent forms of violence against women. It does seem Mm -hmm. to be kind of, you could see it as the center to a lot of different issues and problems that we're facing Mm -hmm. as a society. Yes. It's not something you think about every day, but once you put any thought into it, you realize how interconnected a lot of these issues really are. Yes, yes. So it was a very natural transition, as a matter of fact. 
um, 80% of the women we see at New Friends New Life have experienced domestic violence. So coming from that background, um, it was just a natural transition to um, focus on the issue of sex trafficking. Let's talk about exactly mm-hmm. what this organization is. What mm-hmm. is New Friends New Life? What do you guys do? Sure. So New Friends New Life serves women, teens, and children that have been affected by sex trafficking or commercial sexual exploitation. Um, so this ranges from everything from what we know to be the true definition of sex trafficking, where someone is basically purchased to perform acts, um, to commercial sexual exploitation, where she might be in the industry. So she might be a dancer or an escort, or she might be um, in videos or movies, that type of work. We work to restore and empower women and teens that are in that lifestyle, because what we know is, and what we've heard so many times is, no woman wants this for herself. No matter how it may seem to be a choice or she just made that decision, no woman wants this. There are so many external factors that have pushed her into this environment, and our job is to um, help her find a way out. Do you focus on a specific age? You said you help out teenagers. You Mm -hmm. also help out adult women. Yes. Does one tend to find its way to the organization more than the other? So our populations are a little different. Uh, The adult woman who comes to us, she tends to be about 34 years of age. So she is... She's had years in the life, and she's looking for a way out. So we have to help her restore her credit, her job history, um, educational skills. I mean, financial support. She needs everything. The other population we serve with the youth is more preventative. So we look at high-risk teen girls. These are girls that have run away from home multiple times. They come from backgrounds of poverty. Um, There has been child abuse in their background. We know that those things make them susceptible to the lure lure of traffickers. So we work on the preventative scale to give them more options. So those are the two main populations that we see. Is there a reason why 34 is such, is kind of the magic number, let's say? I, I don't think it's um, the magic number as, as much as it is. By 34 in the life, you're pretty old. Like you are discarded by late 20s. Um, so she just, she's run out of options. She's not even looked at by him anymore. She's she's out of options. Likely she has children. She might have a seventh grade education. She might have a criminal background because while she's been in that lifestyle, she's had to do things for money, whether it's been being arrested for prostitution or she's had to steal or so she now has a criminal background. She has multiple children. She has no education, no work history, and she is totally out of options. Working on on preventing and helping on the way out. Mm -hmm. So that's what the organization has figured out to be the most effective way to help these women? Yes, we have to do something on the preventative side. If not, we are just drinking from a fire hose. No one organization can serve after the fact. There will always be too many women to see. But if we can address the issue with teen girls and also our work with teen boys, through our men's group, we go into high schools and middle schools and talk to young boys about what it's like to respect another girl and how you should treat women and treat girls. That preventative side is really what's going to hopefully put us out of business and give people and these girls a chance at at a better life, a life that they deserve. Let's talk about how you find these teen and how you're you're working to just keep them out of trouble. Mm-hmm. You listed off a couple of factors that are red flags. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you find these girls and what kind of information are you giving them? Are there classes that you're giving? Are you mm-hmm. just showing up to schools? How does this process start for the younger 
kids? Yes, it's several things. So we work a lot in high schools. So we work with counselors and to help identify some of. So you ask the counselors who we should probably talk to, type thing. Yes, yes. So we'll come in and do um, classes um, in high schools. Uh, a lot of it, however, is word of mouth. So there might be a girl who's found us either through her church or she's just heard about us, mm. or through some outreach, and she'll bring a friend and she'll say, "Hey, we're going to the drop-in center today instead of." going in the car and going down to Houston for that party or doing the other things that she could do. A lot of it is word of mouth. And then the other main way is through law enforcement. So we work with um, the juvenile detention system. And when these girls are picked up for whether it's truancy or other issues, we have that relationship that allows us to be a resource for them there. For the girls that come to you, do they know that they're in a dangerous situation? Do they see that? Or is it your job as an organization to allow them to see clearly that this you're getting into a bad situation don't go to a this party mm-hmm. or don't go to that town yes. stay away from it or are they already starting to kind of dabble let's say that's a great question a lot of times they don't know that they are in danger of being trafficked and it's because of how the guy presents himself so it's not like the movie taken where you know someone's kidnapped that's what we think of when we think of trafficking sure. like someone's jumping out it, of the it bushes it sounds ridiculous but that is yes. kind yeah. of that's common I think. yeah it is very very common and so it's easy to see that as a red flag but if an older man just says i want to take care of you your parents don't understand you i can help pay your mom's rent she doesn't instinctively see that as her being lured into something that's dangerous. So a lot of times when she comes to us, it's because of other factors. She she is truant from school. She has been picked up or she is escaping um, violence at home. And then we're able to help her put the pieces together. Okay, who's this guy in your life? Let's talk about that relationship. Or let's talk about the party that you were going to um, last weekend. So it's a little bit of both. But a lot of our counseling is helping teens understand the gravity of the situation that they're in. Is it hard to get that message across or once it's presented does it become clear for them? It becomes pretty clear. We help them put the pieces together. They know that something's wrong, you know, whether, you know, they've had the trouble at home or they don't know where their next meal is coming from or, you know, so something's obviously wrong and they just need some guidance putting that together. One of the stories that'll stick with me when I first got there late last year, we had a 14-year-old girl who was coming to our drop-in center And her grandmother had just died. And it was the very first place she came. She came to see us the day her grandmother died. And I thought of, you know, when we lose people in our lives, we have such a network of support. We have people to go to. What it takes to walk into an environment where we're basically strangers, but that's where you go for solace, said a lot about the role that we play in their lives. We really are a safety net for them and a compass for them in so many ways. Do you know if that girl is still with the organization? She is, and she is doing so amazing. We have so many stories of girls that are in high school. They're figuring out, okay, maybe I want to be an attorney. I mean, they're starting to dream in ways that they hadn't thought about before, or they're getting their part-time jobs and they're just figuring out their lives. And it is such an inspiring and uplifting environment. Every day I walk in, I'm so touched. When you mention what this organization does, people are honestly usually bummed out, Mm -hmm. but you've got a smile on your face Mm -hmm. and you're talking about how great of an organization Mm -hmm. this is because it helps people to stay out of trouble like this. Mm -hmm. You're looking at this on the positive. Does that Is that a philosophy for you and for the organization? It is. I mean, if we 
if there wasn't hope, then what would be the point? If we aren't making a difference, then what are we doing? So that really keeps us going. I think it also helps that I'm not in the counseling office. I'm not sitting in every day hearing day by day what's happening. But I do hear the good things. You know, I remember sitting at my desk one day and I'm not too far from the front of the building and a lady had walked in and she was sharing with the reception. She's like, I got the job and she's ready to celebrate with a shy latte. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> so now we have to all go out and celebrate her. It's, it's so uplifting. And we get to see um, the good things that are happening. Our women face so much judgment from people who are just like, you made that choice or she's working the streets or she's a prostitute. One of the most, um, one of the most alarming or enlightening things I heard one of our mentors say is she wasn't a prostitute. She was prostituted. And just adding that makes such a difference in the perception of who she is, what happened to her. Um, and that's what we do. We normalize this woman and these young girls. They're all of us. And if you want that for your sister or your mother, then you should want the same thing for these women as well. You mentioned that this topic is coming up more in mm -hmm. the culture. Are you seeing that attitudes toward these women, is it changing? Is it softening? Yes. Yeah, I, I, I have seen that, especially because of the legal changes and the legislators that legislations that have been written we just had the governor of texas in our office uh two weeks ago signing several um bills regarding sexual assault and um human trafficking so as more entities make it a priority then the everyday person's like okay yeah this this does matter this is important and the way we can connect it to other issues like poverty like childhood abuse like domestic violence you realize that trafficking sits at the intersection of all these other things that we care about and one thing i know about dallas is we just tackle big stuff you know we were like no dv no poverty our children are going to be educated like Sex trafficking is not going to flourish here. So we just add that to the list of things we're not okay with. And it's really special to see uh, what's happening in our community. And it's important because we are in a bad place when it comes to those numbers. Dallas is number two in the state behind Houston for the highest number of trafficking victims in the state. And Texas is number two behind California in the country. So we have a lot of work to do. I'm glad that you brought that up. We mentioned off mic, uh, the, we were talking about those mm -hmm. numbers. Mm -hmm. I mentioned that I, uh, I assumed that this had to do with the border. Mm -hmm. And when we're talking about trafficking or exploitation, that a lot of that has to do with border activities mm -hmm. and people coming up through Houston and then up here to Dallas. Mm -hmm. You said that that's not necessarily the case. And I think this really helps to illustrate exactly what we're talking about here. Right, right. And it's very common to assume, I mean, the word itself, trafficking, lends itself to movement and crossing borders. and But that that has nothing to do with it. It's really the sale of another person or the profiting of, of, of a human being. There, So the majority of the clients that we see are residents and citizens who are being trafficked by other people locally, right in our community. This isn't coming from somewhere yeah, this else. Isn't, We're talking yes. about issues and people that are from here. Right. That are, these problems are developing here. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. And that is and that is shocking um, for, it is, people, it's shocking. Yeah, for people to... To understand because the perception is it's someone coming overseas. It's got to come from mm -hmm, somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And that may be a little more common on the labor side of trafficking. So under the human trafficking umbrella, there is sex trafficking and there's labor trafficking. Those are the two areas. And when it comes to labor trafficking, there um, there's a little more of that movement. You're bringing groups in to work um, 
in situations where they're not being paid or compensated, or it was a different situation that they expected. But when it comes to sex trafficking, when you look at the definition, it's happening um, locally and it's happening, it's being committed by people who are already here. Mm-hmm. Bianca Jackson is the Chief Development Officer for New Friends New Life. Their website is newfriendsnewlife.org. Talk to me about how the program works. Are, are people that come to you teamed up with a counselor? Is it group settings? Mm-hmm. You don't do residential, so they need to be a part of the community. Mm-hmm. And you said that they are. They're mm-hmm. always stopping by. They're, mm-hmm. they're dropping in. But how does it actually work for those that are a part of New Friends, New Life? Yes. So for our women, we have a four-faced program that's basically like enrolling into a university. So you come in on day one, you meet with a counselor, a case manager. We focus on three areas, case management, economic empowerment, and counseling. So in each of the four phases, we focus on those three areas, and you literally graduate from phase to phase. Mm. When you come in, initially, it is heavier on financial support because she needs it One most. of the first things that you mm-hmm. said was dealing with credit mm-hmm. scores. I yes. never I never would have thought about that in this kind of a situation, yes. but if yes. you want to start a new life, it's one of the main yes. factors you're going to have to deal with. Yes, and he has, the he being the trafficker, has often ruined her credit. We've had stories where he's put businesses in her name or has gotten homes or cars in her name and then not paid the bill or and so now her credit is ruined um so when she comes in it's those basic survival how do we get you we call a survival job like it's something that gets money coming in and we also help with things like we help and pay a portion of her rent or her electric bill we pay those directly to the companies because that's what she needs as she graduate um matriculates through the four phases she's more self-sustained. So now she has a job that she's been on for 90 days, or she's now saving, um, she has money in her savings account. She's working on her GED if she needs to. So it really is like a college environment. And the women love having the structure. In between each phase, we have what's called a phase-up ceremony where we celebrate them. And you should, I mean, we give them challenge coins and materials for the next phases. And it's like we're handing out gold. They are so excited to be um, a part of a family and to have achieved something. So that's the way our women's program looks. And people always ask, well, how long does it take to get through it? And it really depends on where she starts. If she has come from severe trauma um, that's been years and years in the making, it may take her six months to get through phase one or a year to get through phase one. But each woman is teamed up with a counselor and a case manager who evaluates where she is and helps her move forward. All of our services are provided at no cost, um, but it's it's hard work. She has to show up every day. We offer 20 different classes a week from financial preparedness to creative expressions to, okay, today we're knitting, today we're doing yoga, um, here's how to build your resume. So we offer all of these classes and she can pick um, how often she comes in, and um, that, along with her counseling, really helps move her through that recovery process. What does success look like to new friends, new life? You're talking about mm-hmm. developing new lives mm-hmm. for for people. So, is it the financial component? Is it somebody in their own place with a job? Mm-hmm. Is it being emotionally healed? Is it all these factors. I think it's a little of all of those. So those three areas, case management, counseling, and economic empowerment, um, success is measured by where she is in those three areas. And 
ultimately, we want her to have options. If she can walk away from our program, not having to go back into that life, she's able to explain her past, be at peace with who she was, what she had to do, and move forward, then that's success for us. I did notice that that on the website, which once again is newfriendsnewlife.org, that there's a lot of language that pertains to the past and now. Mm-hmm. And it, you, it seems like you guys really focus on the idea of that was then, mm-hmm. this is now. Mm-hmm. Is it super important to make sure that these women understand that who they were is not who they are today? Right. Because, I mean, you can imagine the shame, the guilt, the judgment, what she may feel, some of the things that these women have had to do. It's you can't even repeat it. And it's the worst of humanity on display. And so it's important if she's going to move forward that she's at peace with that, that she can walk around in her own skin and be okay and know that she's more than what she did or what she was forced to do and that she deserves this life that's that's ahead of her now. So that's very critical. And we actually started, we are, of course, open to all faiths, um, but we actually started in a church. And that's um, interesting. 20 years ago, a lady who was a topless dancer walked into Preston Road Church of Christ, um, a women's group was meeting, and she said, I need help. That's how we started. These women had no idea what, I mean, sex trafficking wasn't even defined at that time. Sure, they just yeah. knew that someone needed help. And they said, well, what do you need? She needed financial support. She needed spiritual support. She needed new, a next step. And that's where we were born. And 20 years later, this is still what we do. It, uh, you may not know this. Is there any chance that that woman who walked in, is she affiliated with the organization still in any capacity? Uh, she is um, around, yes. Really? She is around. Um, and, of course, we have um, uh, worked hard to protect who she is. Of course. Yes. Um, but her, I hope she's proud of the legacy. Just It is. It, it's step. a legacy. That's why yeah. I brought it up. Yes. I'm not curious as to who this person is. Right. But the idea that they could see what they were responsible for right. in some capacity. Right. And I'm sure she was just walking through life during, doing the best that she could. Right. And had no idea that her decision would lead to something like this. Saved a so, lot of lives over yeah, 20 years. Yes, it's yes, pretty amazing. It is. You mentioned the jobs. Are there companies that you guys work with to help these women get a job? Yes. Is it certain companies or is it just kind of, you know, you just help them fit different places? Well, we, it's a very, um, it's such a critical part of their recovery that we like to be as hands-on as possible because we want to make sure that the member is set up for success in that work environment as well. So we tend to work with smaller companies just because they are more willing to work with us on understanding here's the trauma, here's the situation, here are some of the exceptions that woman's going to need you to make. Like you will have to look Mm -hmm. past her criminal history if you're going to help her. You're going to have to look past some of the other things. And so we find that it's been easier to work with um, smaller or standalone organizations who their HR person or the CEO, uh, an agency just hired one of our ladies the other day, and the CEO had the conversation with the case manager. And they talk about her progress and how we're going to deal with issues that come up in the workplace because, I mean, she has been traumatized and this may be her first time. So, yeah, that's been working and we need so much more of that. Keeping in with that tight-knit group idea, that's really Mm -hmm. important to Mm -hmm. their recovery and how they're able to grow, correct? Just have a nice tight group of people that are positive and that are helping them move forward. And the trust. I mean, so many of them have come from backgrounds where everyone they trusted told a lie. You know, that's what sex trafficking is about for 
fraud, force, or coercion. So she thought it was one thing. Someone promised her something and turned into something else. So it's important to build this environment of trust. At one of our phase-up ceremonies, one of the members commented, she said, women were always my enemy. And it wasn't until this program that I was able to look at other women and not see someone that I was in competition against or that wasn't an enemy of mine. Let's talk mm-hmm. a little bit about the work you're doing with men. This organization mm-hmm. obviously focuses on women, but mm-hmm. you mentioned that you're working more with especially younger guys to make sure that they are helping, mm-hmm. let's say. So what are we doing there? Yes, yeah, so we are starting from middle school and high school. We work a lot with football teams, basketball teams, groups where they're they're natural leaders in those groups, mm. and they can do some of that peer leadership as well. Like if the cool guy on campus who's the big football star is like, you know what, that's not okay, those comments aren't okay, that Smart. carries a lot of weight. So our men's group um, is just a, a group of guys in the community who say, I want to do more. How can I help as a man? Because on this issue, most buyers, which we haven't even really talked about the buyers in this triangle of issues. So you have the trafficker who sells the human beings, you have the victims, the survivors, and then you have the buyer. And that's the everyday guy who says, yeah, I want you to come to my room tonight, or I'm going to pay for this massage. Um, So we are looking for everyday good guys who say, what can I do about this? And some of the things they do is they help, um, deliver that message in high schools because it's important that it comes from a man. So we have former athletes, we have businessmen, we have pastors, we have um, doctors, everyday good guys who learn our curriculum. We call it the man kindness curriculum, Mm. and they teach it in high schools. Um, Our men are also leading what we call the No Harm Network, which is an opportunity for corporations to get involved. So they explain why it matters to a big corporation that they take a stand against sex trafficking. Industries like hotels, um, transportation industries, where they there's a lot of um, opportunity. That's where traffickers move around a lot. Banking, when they're laundering funds or sending people in to deposit or take out money, how can you have your antennas up as a corporation and take a stand? It's really complicated. Uh, it is so There's complex. There's so much yeah. stuff that you're bringing up that it makes sense. Yeah, but you, it just if you just add it surface, you would not think of any right, of this stuff. Right, because we're back to okay, is someone coming out of the back of a van to kidnap someone? But that's just the tip of the iceberg. It really is a network. Traffickers are so manipulative, and they have made a business decision. They are business people. And so how do we put them out of business? So our men help us do that as well. And the other cool thing that our men's group leads is every month we have um, an excursion where the community can sign up. Anyone from the community can sign up, jump on a bus, and we take you through parts of Dallas with a police officer or another expert in the field. And we go to areas where there have been busts, trafficking busts, or suspected trafficking um activity and everyone who comes off of the bus tour is like wait a second we aren't even in a seedy part of town we Mm. aren't like we're right around the corner from my child's school or that's where i go to church or this is where i work so that's very important for people to see that it's happening in dallas in our community it's not off to the side in some 
other location it's happening right here so our men's group makes sure that those bus tours are able to happen every month um i encourage you to jump on one it's really fun um not fun fun's not the right word but it's eye-opening illuminating yes illuminating you guys got some stuff on the calendar that we need to talk about Mm -hmm. you have y'all have jada pinkett smith coming in for your annual luncheon (laughs) And it's, yeah, it's that Jada Pinkett Smith. Jada Pinkett Smith. We are so excited. Um, It's so important when you are holding an event like a luncheon where funding is critical. It's our biggest fundraiser of the year. So much of our annual budget is riding on the success of this event. So you have to find the star power. But to have someone who's not just a star, but who is concerned about this issue, it's so rare to find that combination. But Jada Pinkett Smith has been an advocate for anti-human trafficking efforts for years. She did a big expose piece with CNN a couple years ago about trafficking and child slavery in Atlanta. She talks about this all the time, and she's just the perfect fit. So we're excited to welcome her to Dallas to to be our yes. So huge. It's going to be like, big. what am I going to wear? I don't know. <laughs> I can't <laughs> help you with about. that, but it's going to be it's going to be a it's going to be a smash mm-hmm. of a success. This mm-hmm. is happening at the Omni Dallas Hotel once again on October 11th. Details mm-hmm. on the website newfriendsnewlife.org. Yes. We've already ran through half an hour. It was great seeing you again. So I love the organization. I wish you guys the best of luck. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.